My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, we are ready to go. Um, guys, I have two lovely ladies here and I'm so excited to share them with you. Um, we have Lauren and Megan from the Matrescence. I will allow them to introduce themselves, but we're gonna get into the nitty gritty of motherhood today, kind of you know, other ways that you can be helpful for yourself um, and be showing up for yourself during this just wild transition that is the matrescence. So uh, I'll let you guys kind of introduce yourself and then we'll hop into it. But if you guys don't mind just sharing a little bit about you two together, maybe like your transition into motherhood and then kind of how the matrescence came to be. Love it. Yeah, Hi, sounds good. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to connect with your audience and tell you guys about the Matrescence, the digital platform for mamas that we've created, um, really from a place of personal and professional recognition of the huge void that exists um, in support for moms. We started talking about it um, from a personal perspective of kind of struggling after having um, babies and postpartum mental illness and from that standpoint, and then quickly uh, realized that it's much more common than we realized. And also um, not just postpartum mental illness, but it's across the spectrum from women to conceive through infertility and loss and pregnancy and postpartum all the way up through the veteran mama who is just dealing with burnout or rage. Um, so yeah, we put our heads together and created this space and we're so excited to tell you about it. Um, I'm Lauren and I am a former NICU nurse of three. Um, I'm in psychiatric nurse practitioner school and started kind of um, toying around with the idea of, you know, how can we fill this void that exists and how can we serve mamas um, where they are and open up this conversation that's so stigmatized. And so I teamed up here with Megan. I'll let you tell her a little bit about herself. Great. Hi guys. I'm Megan. I am also a mom of three, um, three under five, right? Crazy. I'm the matrescence. I'm on the business and development side. Of um, and it's been a wild ride. I would, my matrescence, the first time I had all those feelings of like, oh my gosh, this is the most blissful thing ever. And then I had a surprise pregnancy, um, pretty shortly after that. And things were different with round two. And I feel like that's where I started getting into little, um, more sticky situations and realizing that I needed, uh, more support. So thanks for having us today. 
Yeah. And so many things that you guys have mentioned stick out as really big points that I want to drive home today in our, in our talk. Um, especially Megan, I think it is so unique. Um, I think a lot of times the misperception is that, you know, if you had a good, uh, kind of transition into motherhood with the first one, then you'll be good to go with the second. Um, or moms who do experience like you did that second round where maybe they're not adjusting as well. They feel like they don't fit the mold. So that can't possibly be what I'm struggling with. Um, or they maybe just like minimize it or underscore themselves in some way. So what, you know, what, what was your experience just having that second one and really struggling more than you did with the first? Yeah. So I think that was like first, maybe a little bit of a resentment, but like, whoa, ready for this. This wasn't part of the plan. I'm a very type A person. So, um, we were also, we moved, um, cities when I was 20 weeks pregnant. So then when I'm in a new place with no support system and it's, it's hard balancing two kids needs that, you know, I always felt like I was choosing one or the other, or, um, you know, it's hard to decipher like what to do next. Like when everyone's crying at once, um, all three of us were just crying a lot because I, I just didn't know what to do. I felt very lost. And I feel like also with my first, I was like, come on, buddy. We just did everything. Like he just fit into my life. I still, because he just came along for the ride. But then when I had two, I was like doing anything seems so impossible. Like going to the grocery store or traveling or doing whatever it was, it was just like too much. So I think the identity shift for me really came with that second babe that was just overwhelming at times. Yeah, for sure. I think we've really tried to hit that home is that um, for both of us personally, we really didn't struggle at all with the first and um, our second pregnancy and postpartum period really brought the challenges especially for me, I, um, felt like I had the support system that you would only dream of. I had family right across the street and I had, I work in healthcare. So I felt like I was kind of educated about how things could manifest in your life. And, um, my world was turned upside down after my second. And I struggled for nearly a year before anyone, including myself recognized that. And, um, I will go ahead and put my crazy out there because I feel like, um, as we've started this and we've started the matrescence, it's really helped to just be honest about how mine, um, presented and really be able to kind of open sticky conversation that can be, you know, somewhat, uh, or, um, is so stigmatized. Mine really, um, manifested as anxiety and intrusive thoughts that really spiraled out of hand. I think in combination with the sleep deprivation, it would be really wild at night. And I convinced myself that I had a, um, catastrophic, you know, disease. And I was gonna, I had terminal illness and I was planning my, own funeral in my head. And I was absolutely sure I was never going to see my children turn five. And I think there's this huge misconception that people with postpartum mental illness, um, you know, are bad moms or they, I don't know, there's, there's this stigma around it. And it really, I think for me, it's, I was so happy. And so I loved my kids so much that I thought that I didn't deserve it almost. And from, I don't deserve this. So I'm, 
something has to happen. Something bad has to happen. And I think, um, I just let that spiral and it was a really scary time. Yeah. And I can relate to that a lot. Just the variety of really intense emotions. Um, and I remember someone posted on Instagram of all places, something that really resonated with me. And I remember like, it was a parting of the seas moments. It was like this moment of clarity where I just kind of could give myself that clarity and that compassion. But this idea and this concept that you can feel multiple things at once, like that you can feel love and you can have support and you can feel gratitude towards having your baby. And you can also be really, really scared. And you can also be really, really anxious. And you can also be really, really sad. You can be thankful for the life that you have. And you can also mourn your identity that you no longer have access to. Um, so once I realized that it's okay and it's actually human, especially in this complex and complicated identity shift, you're going to feel a lot of different things at once and emotions don't have to compete with each other. Like it's not this totem pole of emotions, right? Yeah. Um, so just this concept that you can feel happy and you can feel that love and still just feel a lot of sadness and other emotions associated with that. So um so many things that I want to dig into here, but Lauren, why do you think you struggled? I, like I did, right? I also struggled yeah. for a year and a half and like you mental health professional, uh, felt like I was very educated in the area, almost like ignorantly, uh, thinking that I have everything in my, uh, support system. I have everything under my belt. Like I'm going to be good to go. I'm never going to do these things. And then of course, motherhood hits, right? Nothing can ever prepare you for that. And, it really hit me hard. Um, so why do you think like you specifically struggled for that whole year? Why do you think moms do that? Whether it's intentional. I mean, I don't think it's intentional, but what, what's going on there? Probably so many things. Yeah. I think, um, from a health standpoint, our system is kind of up, um, for moms to fall through. I don't think it's any one person's fault. Um, I think that everyone kind of has a job and there's just a huge, void and care between having the baby and everything shifting. And there's really, um, there's not a lot of education, uh, around mental illness. I is being talked about more. Um, the conversation is being opened up, but it's all stigmatized. And then you're, you're okay this to it, the baby here safely and to keep you healthy physically through the pregnancy. And then they kind of sign off and then pediatricians are doing about trying to kind of screen um, at well visits, which I think is a great idea. But then there's still kind of a dead end as far as, okay, now I've detected there's maybe a problem, um, but where do we turn? I think there's just a huge lack of accessible resources and education um, for women. And when you're in the fog of navigating this new little human and your focus is how do I keep this baby alive and thriving? Your focus isn't on yourself. So you have a lot of against you. Um, and navigating healthcare and insurance and accessibility and all these things as hard as it is. So when you're in postpartum and you're truly struggling in one area or another, it's really hard to find the resources that exist because they're out there. Um, but I think I just felt really lost and overwhelmed and just didn't recognize it. And the people around didn't recognize it because I think um, it's embarrassing to talk about. We all want to live up to this standard that everything think, makes us think that we need to um, attain. 
one talking about it. You know, I look back on the pictures of when I was in the thick of postpartum anxiety and depression, and I looked perfectly happy and I was fooling everyone around me, including, um, you know, people who are the same roof as me all day. Yeah. I think there's also a narrative that we need to change and it's something we're working towards, right? Where just what you were speaking on, Jenna, the power of, and motherhood is hard and you can get help. No, you don't have to do this alone. Yes, some things about it just are hard, but crying all the time or sending yourself into these anxiety spirals or having intrusive thoughts that are keeping you from caring for your baby, it doesn't have to be that way. And you can get help. Um, it's okay. You should, you deserve it. Yeah. And there's so many different ways. I think part of the problem too, is that the narrative has shifted from postpartum depression to be more all-encompassing, to be that more perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. But what does that mean? The education hasn't really shifted with the narrative. Um, I don't think that there's enough education out there about all the different ways it can manifest because I wasn't sad and crying every day and not bonding with my baby. And it was kind of the opposite of that. I was so happy and uh, my days and were fine. And then at night I would just convince myself that something catastrophic was going to happen, um, because I just didn't deserve this perfect little human. So mine really manifested more as the anxiety, which, um, kind of also turned into like OCDs, which Googling symptoms nonstop. And I would find myself on discussion boards from 15 years ago, just searching for validation and searching for someone who had felt the same thing. Um, and I, you know, I went as far as going to the doctor and going to specialists, just convincing myself my, my anxiety had um, caused physical symptoms that, you know, finally uh, one of the doctors was like, you know, I think let's treat your anxiety first and then we'll see if you're still having these symptoms. So um, it was just really interesting because I thought that I was educated and knew what to look for. And I just, I didn't know that it could manifest in so many different ways. It doesn't have to be a postpartum depression and only screening tool. If you are lucky enough to get screened for it is going to detect clinical depression. And that's about it. So just editing yourself and those around you that it can present in a lot of different ways. I want you to stop everything that you're doing and do not think of a pink elephant. No matter what you do, just stop thinking of a pink elephant. What do you end up thinking about but a pink elephant, right? This example is used in the OCD and recovery community to try to get people to understand that when you try to stop certain thoughts, you actually end up having more of those thoughts. The Octopus, an OCD advocacy and recovery shop, is going to be selling pink elephant stuffed animals as a visible reminder for this story and for this concept that we teach about. For every one pink elephant stuffed animal that's purchased, she's actually going to be donating another one of those pink elephants to a child who is in residential treatment for OCD. How cool is that? Visit theoctopus.com and click notify when available to join the waitlist. The elephants will be in soon. I still, even when it comes to like interviewing other clinicians or training other clinicians, it's so wild to me that even all the way up to this professional level, we still, I still see it. People say, oh yeah, I would say that that person has postpartum 
And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what does, you cannot just have postpartum. <laughs> like, yeah. You do not have postpartum. So what I guess I'm trying to say, and I want moms to be aware of this. I want professionals to be aware of this. Like just because a mom is struggling, it doesn't mean that she has quote unquote postpartum. What does that even mean? Right? Like there are so many other more specific issues. Like you're talking about Lauren, like postpartum OCD, postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, there's postpartum rage, there's postpartum, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Right? So there are so many other more specified problems. We can't just like arbitrarily slap this quote unquote postpartum on you. Like it's a sickness or something. We have to be more specific than that. And further, we can't just end at postpartum depression. Right? I cannot tell you how many professionals I've given clear, like obsessive compulsive vignettes to, right? And maybe you guys were there at one point too, like having been professionals, like not knowing the information that I knew or other professionals know about postpartum OCD in particular, but I can't tell you how many times we give vignettes of like very clearly obsessive compulsive um, tendencies in moms and it's like postpartum depression. It's like, but there's no sadness. There's no crying alone in your shower. It's like, we can't just continue to say that these women have postpartum depression because we're missing so many other symptom presentations. Right. And the treatment is so different for each uh, disorder. You know, it's really important to differentiate because one treatment for one thing is going to be completely different for the other. So yeah, I think just really the education and, um, also educating those who are going to be around you in the post uh, so that, you know, even if you're in the thick of it and you're not able to recognize it, maybe someone else would be. Um, I have a very supportive husband and um, I feel like he's pretty in tune with, you know, how I feel and things, but he, he had no idea um, that I struggled that long as we've kind of opened up this this platform. And I've started kind of telling my story. I think a lot of people who are close to me have been really surprised. So, um, yeah, you can definitely kind of fake your way through it, which isn't healthy for anyone. And I think the key piece to that is then advocating for yourself. Once you have this knowledge, you need to, if, if one person who brushes you off, like tell someone else, because, um, yeah, you're, you're really going to be your biggest supporter there and the way you get help. So don't let one person or, um, access get in the way. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of generational, um, stigma too. I feel like, I feel like the generation above us, um, didn't really have this conversation or these tools or resources. So a lot of time I feel like people kind of turn to their own mom or someone in their life who is, a parent figure. Um, and the conversation might look a lot or, you know, being a mom is just hard and yeah, that's true. Um, motherhood is hard and we're not, we don't want to be fear mongering and we don't want to say it's always hard and you are going to struggle with these things. Um, but they are very common and there are really, um, accessible and very tools to help you and, uh, just kind of have conversation and really, um, being able to, make those decisions for yourself. For sure. And back to how you guys were both saying, like educating your loved ones about like, when I'm doing this, I'm probably not in the best headspace. Um, I think that's all really important for women to know or for loved ones to know, right? Like, what does it look like? Like, what are those photographic, like light bulb visual examples? Like what were some of the examples from your guys's experience um, like when in hindsight, you were really struggling. Like for me, I know in hindsight, 
I was really struggling because I was crying in the shower, like three or four days a week. Um, I was afraid to leave the house. Um, I felt like I was constantly, I felt like there were constantly like electric eels in every part of my body, like that my fingers were shaking because I just had such highly intense, uh, anxious energy in me all the time. I was going around, like running around at dinner time, like a chicken with its head cut off, like trying to just go fast, fast, fast and prevent meltdowns and keep all the plates spinning to where like LaCroix would fall out of the fridge. And then there would be a huge mess or I would step on the dog's paw or like, I was just very fast. And like this almost like this ridiculous energy, like a little Tasmanian devil. And if that's what I looked like on the outside, that's definitely what it felt like on the inside for me. So what did it, how did it show up for you guys? Cause I know that there are probably tons of other women out there who are struggling, but they're, they read the statistics, right. And they're like 2% of women have postpartum OCD. Oh, that can't possibly be me. Yeah. But there's a lot of issues with that number anyway, which would be its own presentation, like its own podcast. But I feel like I was there too. Like we see, we hear all these examples, but then we underestimate ourselves. We invalidate our own experiences or we gaslight ourselves. Like, oh, motherhood is just hard. This is just the way it needs to be. Um, so like, what are those specific examples? Like the down to earth behavioral examples of like what it was like for you guys, especially when you were both really struggling, like at your bottoms. Yeah, I feel like um, mine really was finding joy in things that I had found joy in before pregnancy. Um, I think that educating my husband the third time around this last time around, um, was so important because I feel like I wasn't wanting to get out of the house. I wasn't really wanting to go on a walk or work out or, you know, this was several months out. So at that point, I felt like I should be able to, um, function better on a daily basis. And I was just a shell of myself. Um, as far as the physical symptoms, I had convinced myself that I had throat cancer or something of the sorts and cold beverages would remind me of that. Cause I had this like sensation. It was probably from, you know, having reflux during pregnancy, but I had convinced myself that, it was a terminal illness. And so anything that reminded me of that, I was avoiding. And I was saying those things to my husband. So I guess I wanted him to recognize the third time around, if I was saying really irrational things and going out of my way to avoid those feelings, um, that that would probably be a red flag. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, also avoidance is a common theme with me, but mine was more like, I would avoid, you know, going to social functions because I was worried that they would misbehave and then people would judge me for being, I didn't know how to discipline them. Or I could not go on a date night because I like couldn't trust anyone, like no one in the world besides my mom. And we didn't live near her. So that wasn't an, and like, so we just wouldn't go. And then, you know, that results in like other issues, like in your relationships and your marriage and my friendships, because they didn't necessarily understand, like, why I didn't want to go. <laughs> um, because I thought that no one could do anything like I could, even yeah. though I knew I wasn't doing it perfectly. I was like, well, if I can't even calm him down and there's no way this other person can calm him down. And that just made me so, um, I, the fact of being away from him. Yeah. And I can relate to that too. Just this 
the maternal gatekeeping of like wanting things done your way. Uh, again, like, even though I had like no confidence in myself as a mom, especially as a newborn mom, but it still was like my way is better than anyone else's way. Um, and that shuts off your support system, right? Like not only does it further lead to you feeling like you are the one all end all, which contributes to your, your mental load, obviously, um, and can further stress you out. It also distances other people around you. They don't want to, you know, as readily offer support, um, you know, that can be really, really tricky for sure. Yeah, it can get isolating for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, any other specific examples? I know that we, in previous chats, we've talked about like this depression scale that moms um, are kind of arbitrarily given. And for those of you who don't know, why don't you guys describe it? Um, it's this depression scale that moms are given and we have a lot of issues with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, things have kind of shifted as far as the narrative, but the education hasn't followed suit. Um, so I feel like the one screening that they do give you, which is the Edinburgh depression scale, um, they're supposed to give it to you at your six week checkup to kind of, it's, it's going to catch you if you are severely clinically depressed and you're honest, um, which are both not always the case because people are afraid to be honest because they're like, okay, if I admit that I want to, I have feelings of harming my baby or I have, um, feelings of self-harm, you know, they're scared that that baby is going to be taken away or what's going to happen if I'm honest on this. Um, and so a lot of times people aren't even honest. And then if they are, that's only, like we said, um, that's only going to detect severe depression and not all ways that it's going to manifest. So um, there's just a huge void in education support for all other ways that women can struggle. And the short 20 minute follow point sometimes are now virtual. It's really hard to connect with your provider um, on that level and open up that tough conversation. And even if it does happen, there is a void there in support. You might get a handout with some websites and things that you um, can look at or some prescribe medication, um, but they're not going to be long-term managing that um, and giving you other tools to go along with that or telling you how long you should, there's not a lot of education. So um, it's scary to take any new medication. It's scary to be honest on that uh, scale it's scary to admit that you're having these feelings. So women are kind of set up to uh, struggle in this period because there's just a lot of lack of support. Mm -hmm. And the onus is really on you because like Lauren was mentioning, it's not, it's not necessarily the OB's, it's not going to churn. Like if you're not going to be proactive and reach out to a handful of providers, um, there's not an eight week checkup or a 10 week checkup to see if you did that or to see if you're feeling better. Um, and maybe you felt good on the sick week checkup day and you didn't tell them. And then, you know, seven, eight weeks rolls around or you're getting ready to go back to work and things aren't okay. Um, so there's just a lot of holes there. And I know I'm guilty of, uh, not even having, um, a general family doctor. Cause my OB kind of served that role a little bit, um, for so many years that, yeah, it's, it's hard to know where to turn. Yeah. And so. if you're really struggling and they say, okay, yeah, I think, you know, you could use some more help. Here is, um, some medication or here's a referral or go talk to your PCP. Um, that can be really daunting. And if you're in the thick of actually struggling and the fog of, um, you know, this new parent role and this huge identity shift, 
the probability that you're going to follow up and really um, navigate all of that is pretty low if you don't have someone there supporting you. For sure. And you're taking me back to my own, like when I was really starting to struggle big time and I knew like I had to talk to someone, I had to like finally just call and make the appointment. Um, prior to that, I remember explicitly saying to my husband, my husband was like, you need to call someone, you need to talk to someone. And I remember saying, if I had time to go to a therapist appointment, I would sooner pee in peace or take a shower. Like, <laughs> like it's, it, it's like the hierarchy of needs, right? Like I need to eat. I haven't eaten a legitimate meal in like four weeks. Right. Like I have not had any time by myself since whoever, who knows when. Right. And it's like, I can't remember the last time I took a legitimate shower without having a baby crying outside the curtain. Mm -hmm. So like, and you want me to go to therapy? Like, no, I'm, I just need a shower. And it's so easy when you're in the thick of it to just minimize that. Like, no, I just need a shower. Like a shower is not going to fix this problem. Uh Um, and, and finding, trying to find ways to do both, right? Like you, your status quo cannot be showering and having a good meal. Like parenthood has to be more than that. Like you have to be able and, and like willing to do more for yourself than that. Like you're going to be able to shift that outward to your family better, to be a better mom, to be a better spouse, a better partner. And it, like your, your, your trophy does, does not end and it shouldn't end at a shower and having a good meal. Um, So yeah, it's, it's really tricky. And, um, I mean, even, yeah, when I finally did seek out therapy and I finally did go to my OBGYN, I was a really well-known in the community and OCD provider. Um, it was kind of known right off the bat, that like I had a pretty good mental health background as far as like education goes. Um, my OBGYN knew that. And even when I went to her at my six week appointment and I told her that I was really struggling and this is what's going on for me. I remember she looked at me and she told me to just be more okay with giving my son his pacifier because insert some research here about how it's fine to give your toddler a pacifier. And I was like, I I literally, I can remember that moment so vividly because just the rage that I felt was like, I, you can say that to me because I'm actually, I'm thank goodness. Like I'm bold enough to advocate for myself and correct you. I feel educated enough to be able to do that. But what about the moms who aren't? Like, what about the moms who don't have that education? What about the moms who would just sooner digest that and be like, okay, well, I guess I just need to suck it up. I guess this is just the way that it is. They're going to take that with them forever and they're never going to reach out for help again. And they're going to internalize all that. So Right. I felt that this last pregnancy for sure. I mean, I was on my OB's radar. I wanted the baby. I had advocated for myself through the pregnancy and been very open about how badly I struggled after my and she didn't ask me about how my mental health was or give me the depression screening. And so I was just um, yeah, really defeated because I was like, if I'm struggling with this history of it and I'm a third time mom and I've been very vocal about, um, what I need and how I've felt in the past and I'm still not getting the support or having that conversation, then how many other women are, uh, completely falling through the cracks. 
For sure. And, and I like to arm women and, and maybe we can shift the conversation here. Cause I agree. It's so disheartening. It's so discouraging. You kind of leave like with your tail between your legs, like hopeless about the world, feeling like you're like, this is a ball and chain now and you just kind of need to suck it up. So why was I so sad in the first place? I just need to suck it up. And then there's just judgment on top of even more judgment. What are some ways that we can empower women? Like, okay, this is what you need to do. This is how you advocate for yourself. These are specific things that you need to ask your provider for so on and so forth. Um, one really quick thing for me, I always empower women to do is ask if you feel like you're struggling, first of all, if you're struggling like above and beyond or separately from what you think is just depression, tell them that. Tell them that that this Edinburgh depression scale, it isn't fitting the mark. It's not fitting your experience, but you still know that something is wrong and that you need something else. So even after all the hoops that I have jumped through um, in advocating for myself, saying that I needed this therapist, so on and so forth, they still gave me the depression scale. And I'm like, I'm telling you, that's not what I'm dealing with. I, I know this scale. I give it to people every single day. I also know that there's an anxiety version of this exact same thing. I need you to pull that up. And of course, like within 30 seconds, they pull it up. It's a very similar scale. It's really, you know, similarly researched and um, valid and all that stuff. And I'm like, but why did I have to ask you for that? Like, why aren't you just giving it to people? No one's going to know that. No one's going to sit there and be like, can you actually give me this assessment instead? <laughs> like, yeah. So what do we yeah. do? Like, what That's do we do? There's a lot of tools that exist that aren't being utilized. And I think, you know, that's essentially, I think we all exist in a space, right? I think we are trying to change that um, narrative. Megan and I, and for this platform, it's a huge piece of what we want to do is provide some of that education tools that people can take in um, to those appointments or, you know, empower them with the education so that they know with and um, be able to confidently walk in there and be like, you know, I know this is hard and I know, you know, but this is more than that. This is what I'm feeling. This is how I'm struggling. It's interfering with my daily functioning. I'm not eating. I'm not sleeping. You know, what ways that they can get in their provider's ear, um, how to navigate all the reasons because like we said, it's not a knock on OBs at all. Um, they do a wonderful job at their job and they have a very short time frame to do it. Um, so really just creating the education and empowerment and accessible resources that women need to know how all of this can present in your life in all the different ways. And it can be a spectrum, right? I mean, you can struggle mildly with stress feeding issues and um, that can spiral into deeper problems. And then you can have more severe uh, anxiety that's keeping you up at night and you might need medication. I mean, there's a huge range of struggles that you can have, and there's also a huge range of tools that exist. So building your individualized toolbox um, for the season that you're in is so important. Yeah. So with in the Madrasa's platform, we have this educational library of resources, educating on all the different ways that it can present different collaborations with clinicians and doctors on those. But then the, also the great thing about it is it is a community of women um, that are honest. So that peer support and that connection 
can be so, so powerful when you tell your story and people that have walked this maybe before you can give you some pointers and be like, Hey, this is, you know, what I said at my OB or, you know, just kind of gathering some tips and tricks that um, were helpful for someone else to kind of really get through that clutter. Um, and then from a more like just practical, you could just do it today thing that we love to tell people is, you know, throughout those six weeks, write it down, right? If you're having a really hard day, write down how you're feeling. Take that note with you if you need to hand it to your provider. Sometimes it's hard to say it out loud that you're struggling. Sometimes you might go to that six-week appointment. I know I was always like, we can get out of the house and I would like put and I kind of get excited about it um and then kind of forget about like those hard dark nights or those other times when I was really struggling so that's just kind of a reminder that it, it is a journey it ebbs and flows and that's gonna continue but um, yeah you don't have to be in the trenches struggling severely to need a little bit of extra support yeah. uh, motherhood is a beautiful joy chapter in our lives, it is really hard and there can be curveballs and there can be things that you didn't expect. And there's a huge shift physically, emotionally, mentally. And I think every woman, um, is kind of reborn every time they have a child and completely different experience. Um, so just knowing that it's a need support, it's normal. We are biologically wired to do this in a village and society has kind of isolated motherhood and that's not how it be. I've often said that one of my favorite go-to self-care routines is to get my nails done. But if you're like me, then you just can't justify salon prices or the harshness that these bring to your nails. Olive in June allows you to get the salon quality manicures and pedicures at home. You can easily go up to seven days without chipping, you don't have to leave the house, and you can finally stop spending $35 or more every two weeks on getting them done. For $10 off your first order, head to my website at www.jennaoverabaugh.com and click on deals. As we kind of wrap up here about the power of peer support, um, there's so much research out there um, just about the power of peer support for moms in particular. So don't really know what it is. Probably does speak to, like Lauren was saying, this, this evolution that moms aren't supposed to do it by themselves, right? Like our modern culture is such that we tend to have to do it by ourselves, but it wasn't ever meant to be that way. Um, so the research says that peer support is just so helpful as far as reducing hospitalization times, reducing the amount of time that someone is in therapy, reducing the amount of time that someone is struggling, um, reducing the amount or the likelihood that they'll have to go back to the hospital or have to go back into treatments. Um, so it just has such a, a huge positive impact. So want to talk, you know, about the, that power of peer support and kind of how someone can access that on your platform. And then we all, I always get so many questions, like, what does the matrescence mean? And you've kind of already like highlighted it, right? Like it's this identity shift, this concept that we do this in adolescence. Um, we kind of expect 
uh, adolescence throughout this change, like, oh yeah, it's, he's just an adolescent, like he's acting that way because we kind of understand, right? Like there's a lot of hormonal changes going on. There's a lot of life transitions, a lot of uh, mental changes and, and difficulties, right? And so the matrescence, my understanding anyway, is that that's, it's kind of the same thing, but for moms, that it's this difficult and vulnerable, but also really complicated and beautiful time. And it's an identity shift. Like it's okay it's going to be as complicated, if not arguably more complicated than adolescence. And we validate that that's a difficult time. So we need to also validate that the motherhood transition is also a difficult time. So anything else that you guys need to add to like the matrescence um, and kind of like the definition of it? Otherwise, I think we can kind of get into like what moms can get from your platform, because I think so many moms out there are going to need it. Right. No, hit that on the head. We put a lot of name and we wanted to, to be very encompassing of the whole motherhood journey all the way from, I think I want to have a child through veteran mama. So, um, yeah, the matrescence is that monumental shift that you go through and becoming a mom and we give, you know, the period of adolescence grace that it deserves. And, uh, like you said, it's kind of the same shift physically, emotionally, mentally, um, we're kind of um, becoming, you know, a new person essentially as we mom. So, uh, just recognizing that this period, um, deserves grace and support, um, that, that, that adolescence does as well. I love that grace and support. Yes. We need so much of that. And I know that's a lot of what you guys offer, um, not just with the community, but with a, a lot of really awesome resources too, like checkups, um, you know, great speakers coming on and providing some, uh, educational resources. So just talk to us about what someone can expect by joining the matrescence and what ways you guys work to fill those gaps. Yes, thank you. Jen. Um, yes, we had a really great speaker recently on uh, postpartum and anxiety. So thank you for your time. I heard and she was so great. <laughs> she was. I remember raving about her because uh, seriousness, when you just put your heart out there and put it in layman's terms of like, this is what actually can happen. Oh my gosh, light bulb. This is what's been happening. Um, so all those workshops that we host are recorded. We know motherhood is tough. You can't always log into your computer at a specific time. So those are housed in our library. Even if you join in December, you can still check out our October workshop. Those will live forever. So we like to collaborate with a lot of professionals, whether that's a lactation consultant, a pelvic floor PT, a chiropractor, an MD, a pharmacist, anyone that can just shed some light and education into motherhood and something that you might be going through. Um, we love to do that. And we have a whole section of resources there. We have peer support calls twice a month. Those are more casual and just really meant to bring out connection and give you that opportunity in this current time of COVID and the craziness, like it's really lonely and isolating. So just connecting with someone, even though it might be through a screen, we've had friendships form. We know that some of our members have been doing park dates and things outside of it. So it's just a really good place to meet other women um, <clears throat> that are walking alongside you in this journey of motherhood. We have wellness checks. It's a one-on-one -on -one <clears throat> conversation where we can help guide you to the resources that you need. Um, we have a lot of support for going back to work, breastfeeding, um, just a lot of the different challenges that motherhood brings. Uh, what else did we hear inside there? We have discounts. 
therapy partner. That's a 30% discount. So if you need therapy, it is incredible resource to be able to um, get that savings. We have discounts um, with our partner on pre and postnatal fitness classes. Those are really functional training, mama in mind, core exercises that are, and a lot of breath work that is really great um, for us mamas. And really just connection and validation is what we yeah. were seeking in that time. Yeah. Topic specific groups um, that you can connect with other women. You know, we really put our heads together on how can we, how can we support women who have experiences outside of what we have experienced? Because although we've had six different experiences and birth experiences and postpartum, um, we don't, we haven't experienced all of the struggles that moms go through. So we have topic specific forums and groups that you can connect with other women, um, that are going through the same thing as you, which I think can be such a lifeline in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of value and a lot of things going on in the platform. Um, we truly created it out of a place of just what do we wish we would have had and what would have been helpful to us and how can we support us and help them avoid the pitfalls. Yeah. So it's a membership model. Um, you can start, pause it, end it whenever you need no hard feelings, season change. You can also gift it. We think it's a really amazing gift for a baby shower or a sprinkle. Um, there's only so many onesies that a newborn can wear, but um, mama can use all the support in the world. So that's a really great option that we're excited to offer as well. That's awesome. And where can people find you? I My mind goes right to like the app, but I forget that there's there's obviously so much that lives on the website. So where can they find you? Yes. Um, you can download our app um, in Apple and Google. Then our website is thematrescence.com. That's where you can sign up to join. And then join us on Instagram, our only social handle, because um, we are our boundaries on time and space. And we know we do all the things. So we pour all of our love, our own app, and then also uh, building that community and education on Instagram. And we're also at thematrescence. Perfect. Cool. Well, we went over so much today. I always like to wrap up with a couple of hard questions, but to save you guys, I won't go all over all four. I would just love to know the answer to one question as we wrap up here. What would you each tell yourselves? Like you're in the thick of it. You're back in the trenches, like knowing what you know now, what would each of you have told yourself back then? I would say, uh, Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength and knowing your needs and your child's needs. Um, self-care and asking for help is not selfish. Um, it's you, your family. So I love that. Um, with stealing too much of <laughs> what Megan just said, um, self that things get better um, and that these feelings can cope and it's a, to need support. Like I said, I think we've all been made to feel like be the pen to show this perfection and highlight our audience. And that's not real life. So look behind the lens and then know that this is just a hard season and we are wired to need support. So it doesn't make you weak to need a bit of support around you. I love that. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, and yeah, I, I wish that I had this when I was in the thick of it, I would be in a totally different place now. And, um, I can't wait to have another future mama in my life so I can gift it. 
Um, so thank you guys so much for being part of this. Um, go and check them out. They're at the Matrescence on Instagram. Like they said, uh, you can download their app and also I'll make sure that all of the links are in the show notes. Um, so thank you. Thank you both so much for being here and thank you for everything that you do for our mom community. Thank you so much, Jenna. We love getting our message out there, inspiring women like yourself just to, to keep going. So we appreciate your time for sure. Thank you, Jenna. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.